0: War Room the Hockey Podcast is back in studio this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I know normally we start out with headlines uh, and then get into the meat of it, but this week we're going to use those headlines as the meat of the episode, get caught up, have a have a discussion of the things that have gone on the past few weeks while we've been away from studio, and catch up for everybody here. But um, before we do that, a quick note. War Room the Hockey Podcast is presented by North Palm Media and is pre- proud To work with Breakaway Brewing here in Summerland, BC, in the Okanagan Valley, the finest in handcrafted beer, as well as Ryan Walter at ryanwalter.com. Ryan Walter, a former NHL great, former Stanley Cup champion, and he is a a leadership guru here in British Columbia with uh, Leadership Summits and and leadership retreats so ryanwalter.com that's ryanwalter.com for all your information in quality leadership before anything hit that subscribe button rate and review and settle in for episode number 19 of war room the hockey podcast this week headlines getting everybody caught up episode is going to be the headlines. Normally, the headlines kind of are rapid fire at the beginning of each episode, Um, but we'll make uh, the headlines the meat of the episode this week just to get caught up. Been out of the studio for a few weeks. so There's plenty of them. Um, We'll start um, here with with, uh, Alex Kerfoot, recently acquired by Toronto, signing his four-year extension with the Leafs. Yep. 3.5 AAV
1: correct he's yeah he's um and at that he's pretty good he's a pretty good uh value he'll, I mean, he'll I,
0: sought in third line center right yep.
1: behind matthews and taveras yeah he may get time with spessa um so he'll yeah he'll probably flourish there because he won't see a lot of the checkers
0: yeah um how's how's toronto's lineup look with barry and kerfoot and- they've
1: changed a lot uh, believe it or not with uh, one of the biggest ed- additions has been Cody CC. Uh, and you've got the puck moving ability of Tyson Berry, um, Ben Harper puts some size back there on the back. So with CC and, and Harper adding some muscle, Tyson Berry can, can move the puck at least as well as Jake Gardner, uh, maybe without, without quite as many turnovers. So I really like what they've done on the back and they picked up now. They've got spezza Nick shore, um, they're they've got good depth up front. The only question in Toronto is what what they're going to do with Mitch Marner. But other than that, they've um, they've really done. I think they've plugged a lot of the gaps that they uh, that they needed to.
0: They are they still missing that toughness though, the, the well, kind of the grit a little bit that you're
1: you're asking that, the wrong guy. That you Always talk about. Yeah, they 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 really they really lack sandpaper up front. But they'll be okay. I mean, if if the guys can just withstand. That's all. They, it, the The grind gets tough, even though, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you're not, you're not throwing elbows and throwing bodies, and there's not much fighting left. You get two, three rounds into the playoffs, it's just plain wear and tear.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, Barry, he's looking for eight years, eight million from Dubas in Toronto. Well, he's looking for eight years, eight million in general. I think. Yeah. Toronto's just his negotiating partner
1: at the at the moment well that's going to take some hocus pocus if toronto's going to get it done
0: well you know you know dubis yeah oh we're, we're going to keep everybody we're going to keep Tavares and matthews and marner and everything we're going to and Nylander. we're going to make it work i know how they could free up seven million of that i know i know trade Ny- Nylander. <laughs> getting rid of Nylander. i do like the um Furland signing in Vancouver
1: that's yeah Vancouver's Vancouver has really changed the shape of that roster a lot they they've they're one of the teams Vancouver New Jersey Ottawa Chicago Colorado Toronto I mean there's there's been some teams extremely busy in the offseason Florida Panthers but yeah not to get off topic you're right that's a real good signing uh in Vancouver
0: well busy doesn't always mean improved no it doesn't as, as sure. we've seen in years past with certain teams but um and that's kind of how i feel about not to get too far off talking that's kind of how i feel about chicago a little bit i feel like they're busy but are have they really put themselves back into contention is well, kind of the smith, question
1: i w- i just want to
0: and and on that note we can we can move into as to include it as part of part of it the Anisimov for Zach smith trade
1: I wonder. And I, you know, of course, I'm not. I'm not talking with those guys. I don't know. I don't know what the logic was, but that is some size and toughness in exchange for a little more skill and speed. And this has been my theory since the Blues showed everybody the new blueprint. It, how you know, being a being a monkey see monkey do world. Now you've got and and back to the Vancouver Canucks, uh, Vertanen. Antoine Roussel, Mike Ferland, now Tanner Pearson, uh, Besser's no, he's no shrinking violet. I mean, they've they've got guys now up front: Bo Horvat, Brandon Sutter. They've got a lot of. Um,
2: Besser's not signed yet.
1: No, true.
2: And they don't have enough room for him. They got five million.
1: Yeah, it's going to be well. There, there's another case. I, how long before they buy out Louis Erickson? And unload that deal. I mean, what can what more can they do? I mean, that's six million dollars for next to nothing.
2: Try to find a Lucic for Neal deal. Yeah, involving Ericsson somewhere.
1: Well, that was another interesting one. I mean, And back to your headlines: Lucic for Neal, and those maybe those guys have both been shown that they can play, but maybe just need a change of scenery, change well, what of system. It,
0: what, what the trade says is Calgary didn't like how their year ended. Right, and they want to get a little tougher up front, and adding Lucic to protect a guy like Gaudreau, right? You know, add that helps, but it also mean it was also Edmonton retaining salary on that deal a little bit. I don't know if anybody's scared of
2: Lucic anymore. <laughs> well, it, 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 skate backwards. Yeah. you can probably. Edmonton
0: retains salary, <laughs> but it dumps most of it, right? Because it yeah they they kept uh, less than a million. Because they they've got an option with Neal that they didn't have with Lucic. Whereas if it doesn't work out, they can they can buy him out. They can right. they can offload him, which they couldn't do with Lucic. Lucic's contract didn't allow for that. And so so it kind of as lackluster of a trade it it actually is. Lucic declining a bit. Neal stagnant. Yeah. Both teams win on it. You add you add a you add a guy who's proven to have at least a little grit in Neil yep. that can play with that can play with a McDavid. He's maybe a I'm, finisher. He's,
2: maybe I'm biased, but anyone who ends up with Lucic did not win anything. <laughs> but he
0: but he Neil Neil can finish, but he can play with McDavid. Yep. And Lucic, at least from a big body perspective, can provide that that nastiness, at least on paper, right. for to kind of that watchdog mentality of a of Gaudreau and, and maybe you and get him in the right position
1: I, I I don't know I I hate to speculate without being on the inside but is there is there a level level of radioactivity to James Neal I've heard that a couple of times around where there's he's just not the most popular guy in the room and I again second hand so Forgive me for, you know what sounds like gossip, but you you have to wonder, and and something was wrong in Calgary because whether it was not getting along with Bill Peters, not getting uh, stepped into the system correctly, something just went wrong there because that was the first time in what seven years he didn't score twenty goals.
0: Yeah, well, radioactivity seems to be a topic with a number of guys. Gotta wonder. I mean, you again. You don't know unless you're in the inside and, and everything like that. But and we touched on it a few weeks ago. But the at least the mentioning of whether PK Subban is
2: radioactive.
1: Yeah. That.
2: Well, Neil did go from Dallas to Pittsburgh to Nashville to Vegas to Calgary. I mean, he's been a lot of places. He's been around. He's and he- not been around long
0: here's and you don't want to you don't want to call, classify somebody because there's a lot of guys out there who do that who are classified as journeymen who who go who sign one-year deals and then bounce from team to team to team filling a role for a year or whatever so and they're not radioactive so you you want to be careful not to no. um not to call anybody like that radioactive no, you but you don't jump to that conclusion but the, but there's a number of guys out there you know you have to wonder if if like we mentioned a few weeks ago Suban Subban has at least, even if it's a minor thing, even if he has at least something that, that when it comes to a long-term commitment, if you will, people are kind of going, no, I'm, I'm going to test the waters somewhere else. And yeah. so you wonder if Neil, Neil is that
1: way. Well, in a in a world where people are clamoring for a veteran size you know, big-sized guy, big body that can score 20 goals uh, and play on the wing with just about anybody. Why he moves around so much, and and I don't, again, I don't want to speculate, but that's just that secondhand stuff that I've heard. Yeah. Uh, in in the case of P.G. Subban, I think his the only reason he moves is because he's got he's got a nine million dollar price tag, and that's just tough to work around.
2: I just kind of want to address that. PK Subban is PK Subban is the most expensive player to be traded, ever. Mm-hmm. And he was traded; he's been traded twice now. So there's only been two trades in NHL history of someone with nine million dollars or more, <laughs> it and it was him dines. on the same contract. And then the the third most expensive player to ever be traded was Shea Weber's seven point eight million dollar cap hit yeah. for PK Subban. So, <laughs> not to say that oh he's got nine million dollars, let's trade him
1: one one more deal and the two of them will yeah. be the top 5. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, um Seattle is starting to take shape. Yep. They have the building is well under construction and they just named Ron Francis general manager. Do we
2: have He's- a name for the team yet or anything? No. Is it going to be something stupid? It's half the, I'd figure on it. Half their half their options were just terrible.
0: Yeah. What the Totems and the um, the eyes, The eyes, and everything like that.
1: <laughs> I don't know what they're going to be named, but I know Ron Francis is a good hire. That's um, He's he, a rock-solid guy. You like him as general manager? Absolutely. Ronnie Francis is a good character.
0: What, what does he bring for Seattle right
1: from the get-go? Well, credibility, 100% credibility. Hall of Famer, top, what, 10 all-time points. Stanley Cup winner, uh, builder in Carolina, builder in Pittsburgh, um, he's he's kind of done it all he's uh he's just he brings credibility from the very first day which is what you got to have there i mean same with mcphee um he's just he's just a guy that that everyone will listen to and he's um he's somebody that that guys want to work for they want to play for
0: is there added pressure for him though after the early success of
1: vegas i would say so absolutely
0: vegas making the stanley cup final in their their first year, they kind of ruined Is the grading there, curve for every yeah. future expansion. Team. Is there added pressure yeah. for Francis and yeah, and and not only Francis but the whole Seattle org- r- r- franchise to for sure. to re- just from the
2: get go be a dominant force. Yeah, there's no question. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, let's just let's just add another dominant force to the Pacific Division. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody Moving Arizona. Arizona. Arizona's travel woes get worse now. Getting bumped to Central Division.
0: Arizona's cool. not pleased. I hear. I've heard. Now they I've at least had, some, had LA uh, and Anaheim close by. I've read some some headlines Vegas. and some stories that the the some higher ups in the Fr- Arizona franchise are not pleased that they're the ones having to
2: bounce out of the Pacific. But move. But. No, that is not the solution. Move to move to Tempe. If you're Arizona, move to Tempe. Don't move. Stay there. Come on. Yes. Well, we've ha- I've had this
0: discussion with him yes. many a times over, and, round and there are round a few go-
2: general motifs with him. I know. I know. Nylander, <laughs> Russians, Canada, people wearing helmets. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Bring back the brush cut.
0: Well, th- this this can be um, real quick before anything. Before we transition to another headline, real quick. Th- This can be discussed in a week or two on another episode, but who, who, after this off season so far, who's the most dominant division nowadays? Oh my gosh!
1: Well, is it the Metro with Hughes and Caco
0: and you know things like that? Is it? I mean, is it still the Central? Who's got who? For all intents purposes, every year, five of the eight teams in the West seem to come out of the Central.
1: Yeah. Is it? You know. you got to wait and see how everybody gets along. Because well, there's
2: still a lot of RFAs unsigned and, and yeah. UFAs that are yet to go anywhere. Like you know, guys like Derek Broussard. Yep. And and we, speaking of the central, like who knows how strong the central
1: is going to be? Because all of a sudden, Winnipeg could be on the bottom looking up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this not been a friendly month or two for those guys. And and depending on what happens with Liney and Connor it could go from bad to worse.
0: Yeah. Well, but, um, minor signings, bone Byram signs as ELC
1: in Colorado. Yep. Yeah. Um, probably means he's going to at least, he's going to at least start the year in, uh, in the a. Yeah. Comfer for any, isn't he, he under 20? No, it's right. He's not, that's right. He's not 20 yet.
0: So he's either well, exactly. So he's either got to make the opening night lineup or he goes back to Vancouver for, to play for the Giants. Right. You, on an, right, on an yeah. entry level deal. But I wonder what on the a, plan is with him. I know on, an entry level deal makes me wonder though if they plan on sending him back to Vancouver, or if they kind of know from the get go that this is where this is where they want him in Colorado because you don't want to now well. If he he goes back to Vancouver, he's not burning anything on his ELC, right?
2: Any well, he time had, on his if ELC. If he plays less than nine, because guys yeah. like Max Comtois played seven games or played ten games last year, you don't start your first deal. Yeah. Right. So he, he could. Starts, so yeah, never
0: mind. He, he could. He could go back to Vancouver and not use any time on his ELC yeah. because, um, because he's not playing in the NHL. He's not burning games. Right. So based on that, so ne- never mind that. Um, moot point there, but he did sign his well, ELC, so it'll be interesting to see if if um, him him signing his ELC, though, means Sackick and Colorado have high hopes that he will make the lineup.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. That's the indication. Regardless of what actually does end up happening with him health-wise and with yep. Connor Timmons and with everything else taking shape, the indication is that, that we think this guy is ready sooner than later.
2: Yep. That's why you, you don't see a lot of the guys – uh, committed to university getting signed. Right. And Caulfields, Turcotte, Segris, those guys will probably get signed next year. They'll probably have their year in college. And
0: and sticking with the color motif, Alex Newhook, going to um,
1: Boston College. Right. He's going to be a new player.
2: Had, we well, talked about him before the yeah, draft. He's, he's
0: going to be good. He got, he got the award in the CJHL for the highest, um, the highest, BCHL or the highest CJHL across the entire board player drafted. Oh yeah. Okay. The highest ranked. He was higher than anybody else taken out of the. Plus, I think he year. had
1: the highest number of kilometers between his home and his junior team ever. Played. He played in uh, Victoria. He's from mm-hmm. Saint John's, Newfoundland. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, another headline. AJ Greer. And Sonny Milano were arrested in New York.
1: What was, what happened there? I didn't hear that one. What there wasn't going? a
0: whole lot of details on it, but apparently they weren't fighting each other. They're buddies. They were there together, and they but they got into a, a, a little like a, f- with... a fist fight with a bar fight over an unpaid bar tab. Was Pat Kane involved?
1: <laughs> was there a, was there a tip that was in dispute?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, but that that would. That's what, that's the details okay. that are out there. There was an unpaid bar tab or something. And next thing you know, <laughs> A.J. Greer and Sonny Milano are in, in headlines for for being in cuffs.
1: Was, How much do you have to make before you just start paying your tab and tipping the taxi driver and your Uber guy and everything? Why, keep yourself out of the headlines for that much anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, arbitration hearings have begun as well.
1: That's so. Uh, I don't like that system either. The arbitration, the, the many things that I don't care for is arbitration. You got because every player is going to point to the guy who's got the comparable numbers. Mm-hmm. regardless. Well, they are going to
2: overshoot the, their valuation too because we'll they know shoot. it's usually going to land somewhere in the middle. It's mm-hmm. like Mark, what Mark Stone did. Yeah, I mean, he ended up getting he ended up getting nine from Vegas eventually, but I bet they're regretting that now. Generously overshoot team, generously undershoots. It's a. It's a weird system. Well, and Evan Rodriguez hasn't cracked 30 points. He wants 2.6. <laughs> See? My
1: point. Uh, yeah, arbitration is always a... Plus, it it always poisons the water a little bit between the guy and the team. Like, there's... Not always, because in, a, in today's world, everyone understands the business of the game better than they did 20 years ago. But when arbitration first came out, that was a that was a death knell when you went to arbitration it was like okay sign whatever how fast are we gonna get
2: rid of this guy well, it, it worked out in, in Vegas and William Carlson's favor when he had the breakout year and everyone thought he was worth seven yeah but everyone also knew that was his first year cracking you know 30 points right you now they went to arbitration he got one year at five million next season goes by. He's right around. he produces right around the same amount that he was getting paid. So they signed him to a five- year deal for nearly the same amount of money. right. And he thought he might have been worth more because he had a breakout year. He receded a bit. Vegas knew that he has the potential to break out like he did, but he was not likely to keep that up on a consistent basis. and And arbitration actually ended up working out in the favor where the team didn't overpay. Carlson got what he deserved, didn't get underpaid. Right. Yeah, well that's that's a perfect example
1: of the system working right for both sides. Well, I think arbitration is a little
0: I think people understand arbitration a little more than I give them credit for understanding offer sheets. Yeah, offer sheets is a wild animal. We we discussed it um, we discussed it a few weeks ago right. on the topic of offer sheets and we, we discussed it when, when you were out of studio we we discussed it and I just, to me there's the problem that I have with offer sheets is especially when a player accepts an offer sheet that lets an organize their team know that they don't want to be there anymore that's basically them uh, saying that's basically them that saying, or they're just saying I want a deal
2: what, done get it done yeah or it forces him. It forces him to sign, like like yeah. Aho did. Yeah. yeah, he wanted. He wanted. He didn't want to have the contract issue. He didn't want to wait. He didn't want, didn't want to be a kneelander and not get an offer that he felt like he deserved. So as soon as he got one that he thought he was okay, he took it because he knew Carolina would match it, and he just wanted to get it done.
1: Which is which is surprising because I would have thought his
2: value would go higher than that. And, and I I think that I still think what they what they got him for was a little high. I mean, he's got potential. He's had. He's increased his production every year but i mean start handing out nine million dollar contracts to every 22 year old who breaks 70 points yeah I mean,
1: that's that's a recipe for unemployment for the gm yeah but you're i agree with you on the surface that when you when you got a kid especially you know you've got rfa who's the only people that is an offer sheet affects and he signs he accepts an offer sheet from somebody especially even in the in your own conference, yep. uh, yeah, it's got to look, um, it's got to indicate that maybe. Well,
0: that's what I mean. It is, yeah, okay, yeah, I want to get a deal done, but I'm accepting an offer sheet. I'm accepting one of the first offer sheets to come my way, type yeah. of thing. And to me, you know, the 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 danger part of that is, okay, now you're letting people within the organization know even on the surface that maybe i don't want to be here and now and then your team matches and now you have to come back into that dressing room back where your leaders and your your
2: your guys know wait a minute you know you don't think there's some sort of communication between the parties before it's matched yeah there is i mean there's got to be right i mean and i don't know maybe the, it's just it's maybe it's just my point of view i just i don't see it that way i'm on the other side of the fence i see if someone accepts an offer sheet i think it's more of just getting it done cuz we've seen contracts drag out obviously that's not going to be every case and there's going to be cases where guys kind of want to get out but i mean i don't know maybe it's just my perspective i see i see it the other way around i I see it as just trying to get it done maybe they're they're not interested in the in the negotiation they're just interested in getting getting their deal and and carrying on they don't want that you know because how much awkward is it going to be from oh i accepted an offer sheet from a from a team in the same division oh that must mean i want out or eh. You're not, you're not paying me enough, so I'm going to sit out until December.
1: right. which, now, which makes it more awkward? Well, yeah, and that, I think yeah. you you're probably both got good points because yeah, it could it could mean that a guy wants to wants to move out, but it also I mean it absolutely means I don't want to be a lander I want to get this yeah. done. Look what happened. I want to be him. able to play. You sat out till the right at the end of uh, right at the end of the session in December and then came back and was totally ineffective for the rest of the year. You know that fortunately for him, he signed a long-term deal, so he's you know he's got his money whether he ever plays another game effectively or not.
0: But well, give credit to both points. It's not to say that every offer sheet that's accepted means that a guy wants out. But, right. Um and vice versa. And vice yep. versa. Um, I I look at it from the perspective though. You know, like Ryan O'Reilly accepted that con- offer sheet from Calgary a few years ago, and then it was wasn't a year or two later that that. There was issues in the Colorado dressing room and he and he was being moved out. And, you know, maybe it's my perspective, my opinion, but to me, there's it's no coincidence that there's dressing room issues after that.
1: They're all every case is different. Every case
0: is different. But that's using that as an example. That's an example of how I see it, where, okay, I accept an offer sheet from Calgary for less than what O'Reilly wanted from Colorado at the time. So what does that tell the Colorado organization? I don't know from the inside, so again, it's perspective and opinion. But, Is it coincidence but, that he was gone then? But, okay, I'm taking less money from Calgary than what I wanted from Colorado on this offer sheet by accepting. Right. And then, because I took less, that makes it easier for Colorado to match. But now, all of a sudden, I'm making less money than what I wanted from Colorado. And I accepted somewhere else, and now I've got to step back in and face... Landeskog and right. and these guys where they, they're looking at me going at least questioning within themselves whether or not I want to be here. And then it's not a year or two later that that there's friction and O'Reilly's
1: the odd man out. So Here again, what's the coincidence yeah. when you've got a guy that, that can't stay any place, and, and not that O'Reilly hasn't found a, a solid home in St. Louis, but when a guy can't seem to, to stick and he's the type of person that type of player that you constantly look for big right shot defenseman like suban uh, a guy a, a best two-way center in the league and face-off guy like o'reilly why can't they stick around
2: yeah and he wasn't winning he wasn't happy in buffalo just because they sucked yeah that was <laughs> and so i think again, he was a locker room cancer because he just kept complaining he just wanted to again, win so,
0: yeah it's perspective and it's each guy's different and everything like that there's friction in Colorado for whatever the reason. Call it the offer sheet, call it whatever. He's out. There's friction in Buffalo for losing, for whatever, he's out. And he's found a home as the first or second line center and a Stanley Cup champion in St. Louis. So I mean each, each guy's different, but to me to me, I guess what I'm saying is I you know, I kinda I kinda look at it from is there really a coincidence when that kind of stuff that kind of stuff happens?
1: And you can never know until you can never know unless you're on the, not just in the room, but in the office with the GM and the agent, maybe even the player. Yeah. You never know, but it is a, it is a, I mean, in in any other setting, it would be awkward in any other business type setting. That would be really, really awkward.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, transitioning, um, to the start of the season, we let's look real quick, um, at, what we have to look forward to in Montreal at the draft next year. Lafreniere is the projected number one overall. Yeah, if he stays healthy, he's it's gonna be a one horse race for him. He's uh plays for Oceanic. Yep.
2: Um he, he was um Quentin Byfield is gonna be the steal. He is, he is, he's um I you have think? him here. He's
0: yeah. um Halifax defenseman Justin Barron he tallied uh 41 points in 68 games for Halifax um he was
1: I'm trying to think of what he I saw, he was in uh, when I saw him in the Memorial Cup he was not I think I'm thinking of the right guy I, he was not as big of a factor as what I as I thought he was going to be in the in those last couple of Memorial Cup games But who knows? I mean, I I don't remember. I don't know enough about his playing time and his partner and who he was matched with and everything. But anyway.
0: Uh, The new um, ice team in Winnipeg will have Connor McLennan playing for him, and he's a projected high first-round pick. Um, Brandon Wheat Kings have defenseman Braden Schneider. He's a high high first-round pick um, or projected to be – erie otter defenseman jamie drysdale uh he was on the ohl first all-star team he's he's a first round pick and then the and then the one guy who's um projected to give lafreniere a run for his money at first overall is quentin byfield out of sudbury
2: yeah ohl rookie of the year or was it chl rookie of the year can't remember which one.
0: Um, he was well he's Big He's in the OHL. He plays, for, he plays for Sudbury. Yeah. yeah. So he's in the OHL.
2: Well yeah, yeah. Was it Did an you, OHL or was it a CHL? It the CHL, yeah. yeah, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um is the um, Quinn Byfield had twenty nine goals and thirty two assists in sixty four games.
2: That's a sixteen year old. Who? Seventeen. I don't know what his age is right so, now. So wow. he
0: and Lafreniere I, I'll I'll bet he and Lafreniere go
1: one, two. Well, who doesn't like a guy that's six, four and can skate and score like that. Wow.
0: Well, uh, a little quick segment there on the future transitioning. Um,
2: yeah, he's only 16 right now. S- only 16 now. Hey, is,
1: um, is the Fowdy kid. And uh, I should know this is John Luke Is he uh Liam Fowdy relation at all? Do you know? I don't. What, um. He's in Windsor, and I can't remember where Liam Fahey. I was thinking Liam Fahey was a was a dub guy, but I can't remember. Anyway, should should look this stuff up before we start.
0: <laughs> well, I can while we talk here, um, I can look him up.
1: Um. It's gonna be um, it's gonna be a fun year for for the uh, fans in Winnipeg having the ice there.
0: What'd you say his name was,
1: Liam? No, that was that's his brother, Liam, or not brother, but I'm wondering his name is Jean Luc Foudy. He's in Windsor. What's um? Jean Luc Foudy, okay. Um, I got to find out what those guys did. I got to find out the story in New York. Where is where is Sonny Milano now? Columbus. Okay. He um.
0: He was just um, he just accepted the uh, qualifying offer from okay. Columbus. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Uh, Foudy brothers take rivalry between Spitfires and Knights to a new level. So okay, I think That's they it. are brothers. Yeah, that would be correct. I so, Thought so. Um, yeah, the Foudy brothers. Yep, yeah, they're they're brothers. Um, while transitioning, do you? Um, we want to have a we're going to have a little segment on character. Yeah. I saw. Um, I think that's important to to touch on, um, just character through through an organization, through a dressing room, through on and off the ice. There was something that
1: that, that kept occurring to me over the off season, uh, and especially at the NHL awards and and when you saw, um, you saw the recognition of Robin Leonard, which is a great story, and of course we all know Jordan Tutu and his story from many many years ago when when your your days back in in. Uh, Manitoba. The the common denominator there was Barry Trotz. Jordan Tutu will tell you that Barry Trotz saved his life, basically. That And he's just that kind of a guy. And, and Trotz not only can win, look what he did turning around the Islanders. Uh, he was so successful in Nashville, won the cup in Washington, turned the Islanders around completely. Um, this is not just a guy that knows how to run a bench, but... This guy, he's uh, Barry Trost. Does not get enough recognition for what kind of a guy he is, and he is a really, really good character guy. And he's a guy that not, you know, I mean, anybody can anybody can do X's and O's in, in today's world, but not everybody can care about players and and understand what guys are going through. And to pick a guy up like Jordan Tutu, uh, and and to be alongside a guy like Robin Leonard and make sure that that he's on solid footing. I just I think guys like that deserve uh, deserve a shout, and there is there is a quantifiable a quantifiable uh, commodity in character, and I keep thinking about years ago, gosh, I want to say this is maybe two thousand one, somewhere along in there when uh, the University of Denver was playing in a national championship against um, Maine. You. Uh, you guys have been we pretty young for that. Career. I remember but, that. Ben Bishop uh,
2: was playing in that game. Was he? Yeah. He was the main goaltender.
1: The uh, The night before the championship game, George Guazdecki was the coach. The night before the championship game, he there was some hush-hush off-ice incident uh, involving a guy named Lucas Dora, who was at the time, he was DU's leading scorer and Guazdecki benched him didn't dress him for the championship game they ended up winning the game won the championship but this is where character wins over everything else is when you when you send the message through your dressing room I don't care if he's our leading scorer if he doesn't play by the rules and set the best example that he can set he's not going to put our sweater on and he benched him and it took a lot of balls to do that. And, I, and those kind of things, they really, that's what you look for. As a player, as a general manager, that's, those are the kind of things that you want in a guy running your, running your hockey operation. With a guy like Trotz, a guy like George Guazdecki You had a great career. And now you're seeing it, even with young kids now, you're seeing what guys like Mitch Marner do, and Carey Price, Matt Duchesne. Kyle I mean guys are just involved in charities and in taking sick kids under their wing and in, in going way out of their way to make sure that, that those in need have, you know, a friend. And, and I think, uh, I I think we all ought to stand up and salute, not just the guys I mentioned, but there's a lot of it around. And it also, it does not get enough credit in minor hockey character does not get enough credit there's too much about winning and too much about skill and not nearly enough about character and, and discipline and the fundamentals. Well, that
0: that ties the threads to kind of several episodes of the podcast so far on development mm -hmm. on growth and, and maturity in the game and things like that. So,
1: and it's, it's, you know what the other vindication is, and I know how you guys were, were trained Uh, I know what we taught our dressing room when I was coaching and the vindication is that when you, when you hear people who are at the very top of our game, talk about attention to detail, hard work, fundamentals, unselfish team play, and, and the character that you look for, the character we're talking about here, that's absolutely vindication. I didn't see it. i saw it very, very seldom when I was coaching. I saw a lot of spoiled kids, kids who, you know, couldn't care less about anybody but their own stats. And they were, they flunked out early and often. So it's good to hear that people are, are teaching and, and concentrating on the same things that you guys grew up understanding. Yep. And I wonder too, when you see a guy like uh, Kaliev drop, the, the question kept coming up at the draft, his character. He kept going pick after pick. He was projected to go maybe as high as top five or at least top seven or eight. And he kept tumbling down the draft. And Kaliev and Lavoy both uh they kept questioning character. Maybe, maybe not, but at least it was it's a commodity.
2: I always thought it was work ethic with kaliev But kind of, of, of one really saying. well, yeah. Yeah. I mean his and his response was Need I work harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Fifty goals. Well, I mean Well, you yeah, can he, always work harder, but I mean that's his response. So his level of arrogance there too.
1: Well, confidence arrogance. Um,
2: well, he'll
0: learn real quick at the NHL level that 50 goals in junior won't get you anywhere at the NHL level unless you're putting in the work. Yep. Yeah. So he'll well, he'll learn real quick he won't make LA's lineup if uh, on a long-term basis if if that work ethic does not become
1: a common thread with what he does. Well, yeah, when you when you move up a level whether it's from Bantam to midget or double A AA to triple A or into university or major junior, whatever, or certainly to the show, yeah, look out. If you if you swagger into training camp with that sort of an attitude, they're going to take you out feet first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. I, they Real quickly, Same uh, amazingly enough, it doesn't always work this way, but the questions were with Modano and Linden back in that day, and I think that was 87, 86, 87, that draft. Lyndon didn't have the talent, didn't have the skill, but his question, there was no question of his character. Mike Medano refused to, uh, refused to sign and went back to junior. And so the questions, because he didn't work too hard in his own end, had all the natural skill in the world... But then here's an eighteen year old kid top of the draft and wouldn't sign, didn't like his deal. So he went back to Prince Albert. I, and, and people wondered about him. And twenty five years later he proved everybody extremely wrong, but it could with a guy like that it could go either way. Mm-hmm. You never know if he's gonna turn out to be Alexander Daig. Who? Exactly.
0: Well, that was I guess we could have called that a two minutes. For instigating there for you as well.
1: <laughs> well, it's just time to salute what what needs to be saluted. No, that's I
0: agree. All. Everything you said, I agree. It's something that's not taught at the youth hockey level, yeah, anymore, or you could argue if at all, in a lot of places, a lot Give of the- a lot of associations, a lot of places. So it it's, uh needs to be said. So that that's good. Um, quick quick note back because we were asking questions about the Greer-Milano situation. Yeah. It was a dispute arose over a bar tab paid an hour earlier in the evening at the Chelsea nightclub in New York, and the two players allegedly assaulted the man. Now, a third party did come out and and was quoted as saying, and he didn't give his name. He wants to stay anonymous, but he said it wasn't over a bill. He said, um, uh, let's see. The guy guy who they allegedly assaulted was getting rowdy in their apartment. Uh, And they asked him to leave. He wouldn't. That's it. Okay. And so they, they asked him to leave. He wouldn't. So... They made he helped it. him. They made him. Yeah. They they helped him, and apparently, then the guy, based on this, and I'm no longer reading anything. This is just my my guess based on this. The guy then threw a hissy fit and and called the police. And he <laughs> probably he, he probably hit out? the stairs hit the stairs a little hard and <laughs> and uh, has some bruises to show for it. Yeah, but.
1: he might have uh, he might have fallen down the stairs four or five times before he got out.
0: Well, um, good little catch-up this week. Uh, what are we looking forward to this coming week? There's not a lot this coming week. RFA, it's the off season, RFA signings, for one thing. Hopefully some more RFA signings. Yeah. And do we see, it's been very quiet, do we see more offer sheets? Or has, or has this two-week period of nothing kind of indicate that there won't be any more offer oh, sheets. Man. That
1: the next thing you're going to see is just somebody re-signing. Just, just a wild guess, like everybody else's. But if there were offer sheets coming, I'd be shocked. If they, if they were coming along, I think they would have. And
0: I, I agree. Now, is that now the question to ponder is, do we think, do we think that's because teams are shying away from it, or are they shying away from it because? Montreal kind of ruined the the market for it a little bit by under by undercutting, and we can we can dispute whether or not Aho is worth what he was asking. Yeah, that's but an ongoing debate. But basically, under kind of giving him less than what he was asking, and therefore, but he signed it. May but there yeah, but he signed it sure, but also making it because normally offer sheets are a tactic to to run a team's cap real high if they're going to match, right? It's yeah. ca- That type of tool. And they didn't really do that to Carolina. They, they under, they undercut Ajo's asking and Carolina didn't hesitate to just put a stamp on, on a match and okay, we're good. Yeah. That because, didn't take long at all. Oh, the other question I have. So did Montreal ruin the market well, or mess mm-hmm. with it
2: or, or. No, they were trying to guard themselves too. If, yeah, if they didn't, if the offer didn't get matched. Right, he signed. He, he signed it so they'd give up less than the, what they ha, would have to had he offered him more per year. So I don't think I don't think there's a lot of teams out there that a can afford the RFAs that are out there. The in ten million, the Marner eleven million, the point ten million guys. Yep, and much less if they can aren't willing to part with the compensation. So right. I just I don't think there's a market for. I think I think all the RFAs kind of left are kind of going to be left for their team. Or a, or a sign and trade type of thing,
1: but that's exactly the the double edged sword we talked about on episode here two or three weeks ago. That not not only do you have to have eight figures in cap space to burn, but you've got to have at that level I mean, you get above what is it eight and a half, or is it ten and a half that you give four first rounders. It's
0: eight. It's above but it's ten ab- and a half. Eight eight and a half eight to eight and a half to ten ten and a half is like two first rounders a second and a third mm-hmm. and then above ten and a
1: half is four it, first, first, first rounders round. it's a it's an escalade full of draft picks is what it amounts to plus 10 or 11 well a lot million. of
0: guys too a lot of guys too par- partly for protection with a work stoppage or with anything like that a lot of guys have a lot of guys rights belong elsewhere as as well so come a work stoppage or anything, they're in the KHL. They're in Sweden. They're, you know, so their their rights belong to a team in Europe. Say something happens in the NHL, like Miko Rantanen's rights were just traded in the KHL, and oh, okay. his rights were just acquired by, um, can't remember off the top of my head, team so in the in the KHL. So if there's a work stoppage, or he doesn't get he doesn't report, or he doesn't re- get signed or report, or he or he pulls a knee right, and then. Colorado goes well. We're not, we're not paying you. You're just going to sit this year. Yeah. Then he goes to the K to to at least keep his legs and
1: keep keep playing. And well, that's also the he's... best place to make money is in the K mm-hmm. outside the NHL. So
0: they've there
1: a lot of players. I don't think all of them, but a lot of players have their rights elsewhere as well. Well, yeah, and you have to look at that when you yeah. say if I don't sign here and I don't report and I do hold out past December first. And I do have to go someplace else to make a paycheck and keep myself in shape. Do I really want to report to this team in the K or this team in the Swedish elite league, or what do I, what exactly are my options? If I don't come in, how often do you think, how often do you think between GM agent and player that there is an offer sheet in the works and the player says, or through the agent, the player will say, don't bother. Don't do it. I'm not signing. I don't. I'm not going there. That's not enough, or I don't want to play for the. You know, I don't want to go to that franchise. Well, the
0: rumor is uh, Mitch Marner's done that twice already with Columbus and
2: the Islanders. The Islanders. Rumor, the, rumor, the rumor is yeah, that's any the rumor, validity yeah. to it. Yeah, but that's just,
1: the rumor is that he's already that he has turned it. That he has said no to it. Well, I just wonder how often maybe that maybe that's contributing to the quiet nature of the offer sheet situation in the end uh, this season is just because guys are going look i'm not i'm not going there yeah. so we we'll here's, here's an
0: interesting one to end with real quick how about um panarin criticizing putin
1: publicly <laughs> oh, <laughs> good grief yeah nobody knows more about politics than a hockey player i'm sure just stick to stick to shooting the puck, you know. He says Putin, "I don't like the lawlessness." Is what he's. It's <laughs> well,
0: time for Putin to go. I don't like the lawlessness. Is you
2: what don't he said. live there, bud. So don't bother. That's, what, that's the Russians have a special bond with their homeland. I know it's like a different planet. Well,
0: so do Canadians. <laughs> so,
2: oh. I mean, everyone does, but yeah, every, the, the Russian does, hockey does, players, Russia, yeah, the Russian hockey players are just they're still Russian over here. Yes, you know, they it's still, not just
0: Russia though. They're they're. Bending over for for Putin too. Have you seen the videos of Putin playing hockey? Oh yeah, I've and and and, def- and the defend the defenders just turn away <laughs> and they let him come it's, in and score. I mean, it's, like
1: it's, like a Mighty Ducks movie. where yeah, the like players if, are if just you don't over. let
0: Putin score, you're going to get taken out back and <laughs> and shot.
1: Hey, speaking so. of Homeland and all that stuff, can I just end with this? I do not like travel. Travel sucks. I don't ever want to travel again. You're not getting sympathy. You I'm you done. just went
0: to you just went you're not getting sympathy. You just flew to and from Spain first class.
1: 28 first, hours
0: first class, which first class international is luxury. It's first class international is like a step down from private. It's luxury. And then you're in Spain for how long? Playing golf, drinking, and living it up.
1: It wasn't all fun and games. Oh, (laughs) so you don't get sympathy. I don't like travel.
0: You don't get sympathy. So anyways, thank you for tuning in for another episode of War Room the Hockey Podcast. Our listeners are the driving force behind what we do. We can't thank you enough for tuning in. Please head to Facebook. Give us a like. Instagram, give us a follow. Head to Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and a review. Hit the subscribe button so you can be alerted to new episodes which come out every week. Thank you to Owen and to Brad for joining in the studio this week. Always a pleasure. Yep. I'm Evan Rauer with Warren the Hockey Podcast and I look forward to seeing you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers.